You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, as the founder of a consulting group and the author of the groundbreaking book, Conversational Capacity, Craig Weber is famous for his sharp and inspiring consulting style and presence. His latest book, Conversational Capacity, gives insights into the secrets of building successful teams that perform when the pressure is on. Craig joins us today to share some of his insights. Craig, welcome to the show. Rick, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Let's start very simply. Can you tell us a little bit about your firm and how you got started in the consulting industry? Sure. Uh, and uh, it's really a consulting alliance. It's a team of people that work together on various projects but also work separately uh, much of the time. And we really focus on uh, what we call adaptive learning, helping organizations, teams, even communities pull together around really tough, messy, adaptive challenges. Can you give me an example? Sure. Working right now with the Child Poverty Collaborative in Cincinnati, which is a really good example, and it's a group of people from all across the community that are coming together to address a challenge that's uh, been really tough to tackle in the past, even though there's a lot of different people working in their silos trying to address it. So it's everything from the United Way, the Urban League, faith-based organizations and nonprofits, to organizations like Kroger, GE, Procter & Gamble, Toyota. We've got the mayor, a U.S. congressman on the steering committee. And so the question becomes, how do you help a really eclectic group of people like that work together effectively, especially when they're dealing with something that's certainly non-trivial? So your consulting organization is the Weber Consulting Group, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And how long has that entity been in existence, Craig? Uh, about almost for two decades, which is hard to believe. So um, been working independently now for uh, the better part of 20 years and teaming up with various colleagues along the way whose work sort of helps with that process of getting people with very different views, very different agendas, very different uh, ways of making sense of the problem to see the fact that they view the world differently as a strength, not a weakness. Right. right? It's much easier to provoke deep learning when you've got people who see the world very differently. Conversing yes. and making sense of the problem together. We're talking with Craig Weber. He is a entrepreneur, business owner, consultant, and a published author. We're going to talk a little bit about your book during this interview, Conversational Capacity, The Secret to Building Successful Teams That Perform When the Pressure is On. But before we do that, can you tell our audience what was the inspiration for you to write this book, Craig? That's a great question. I've always felt like um, I've enjoyed the underlying research uh, on which the book is based. And so what I've been working over the last 20 years to do is to make that underlying research more connected, more user-friendly. And so I think having done that and having seen people respond to it so well, I think a book was a almost a natural byproduct of that process. So, so the underlying research is absolutely brilliant. And so how do you put it together in a way where people can start using it in a much more rapid and effective manner is kind of the goal. So can you tell us what the title the significance of the title, the first part of it, Conversational Capacity, is? Sure. The core idea, and the way I define it, if you had a dictionary definition, is that conversational capacity refers to the ability to have open, balanced, learning-focused dialogue about difficult subjects in challenging circumstances and across tough boundaries. So a team with high conversational capacity, capacity can put an incredibly difficult issue on the table and do great work around it. A team with low conversational capacity can often see its performance completely shut down by a 
minor difference of opinion. So it's sort of a pivotal variable in that sense. You can have the right people around the table. You can have a great product or service, a killer strategy, all the resources your team or your business needs at its disposal. But if the conversational capacity of the group is too low, given what you're dealing with, you'll underperform. When you wrote the book, who did you have in mind? In other words, uh, you know, our audience are CEOs of business and business owners running companies, roughly up to about $100 million in annual revenue. But I'm wondering, who, who is the target audience for your book? That's a great question. I had a lot of conversations about this with my editor, McGraw-Hill, and it really is anybody who wants to wrestle with tough problems and help their organizations, teams, or communities do it and to get more traction and get more leverage. So I also do a lot of work with your audience as a Vistage speaker for 17 and a half years. I do a lot of work with small to mid-sized companies, but also on the faculty at the Boeing Leadership Center in St. Louis. I do a lot of work for the Centers for Disease Control. But I've also found this stuff really useful in small community groups, nonprofit organizations, and I've done some pro bono work with faith-based organizations. So any place people are working together where they need to address tough issues and they need to keep defensiveness low to work those issues well, I think my work has a broad application. We're talking with Craig Weber. He is the author of the book that we're focusing on, Conversational Capacity, but he's also uh, an entrepreneur and business owner and consultant. His firm is Weber Consulting Group. So I'm going to reach out to you after the show and invite you to get onto my curriculum because I lead multiple CEO peer groups here in Orange County. Would love to have you speak with them if you're so inclined. But I would absolutely love that. Okay, Craig, that'd be great. So let, let, let's kind of step back. You, you talked about the basic research that you found so fascinating that it, it compelled you, inspired you to write the book. Can, can you give us just a quick, we just have about two minutes left till the next commercial and, and break, ladies and gentlemen, but I, I just want, wonder if you could just, where did the research originate? Uh, in my book, I talk about this. Where I kind of, my work's at the intersection of two impressive bodies of work. So I talk about, you know, basically standing on the shoulders of giants. And the two intersections are one cross street is the work of Chris Argers at Harvard and Don Schoen at MIT and their core research around organizational learning, uh, why it is so difficult, even though in concept it may seem easy. And then the other body of work is coming from the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, Ron Heifetz, and someone I've had the good fortune of studying and working with, Dean Williams, and their work on adaptive leadership. Uh, where you talk about identifying the nature of the problem you're solving. Not all problems are created equal. Some are more routine and technical. Others are more adaptive and messy. And the leadership requirements for each kind of problem is very different. So what I, my work really does is focus, how do you have really good conversations in situations where that's not easy to do because the problem's adaptive and people tend to see the problem in very different ways. Do you find, that, and again, since my audience tend to be the leaders of their organizations, the top executives, do you find there's a special aspect of, of, of maintaining conversational capacity within an organization that falls to the CEO, president, business owner? Yeah, I think they really set the tone for what is and what isn't appropriate, and I think they often underappreciate just how much the gravity of their authority, of their presence, actually has on the conversational capacity of a group. So very often you'll have a meeting that's going fairly well until the CEO walks in and sits down, and then suddenly people become more cautious, they become more guarded, and the CEO's presence, despite he or she or his or her good, good intentions, mm-hmm. actually decreases the team's ability to work as well as they could. So you may have smart people around the table, but you're not getting access to all their smarts. Just because of the fact that their presence is in the room, regardless of who they are? It's, are you saying as the leader they have that impact, or individually because of the type of leader they are they have that impact? Right? Yeah, even if you're the most you know, Mr. or Mrs. Rogers-like person, very gentle, very 
dispute has more weight because of the authority behind it. So I find that a lot of executives underestimate the impact their presence is having on the ability of their people to bring their best work to the organization. Excellent. We're going to take a very short break here. Um, we're going to be back in less than 60 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. I'm talking with Craig Weber. We're talking about his book, Conversational Capacity. And when we come back, I'd like, I'd like to ask you if you could maybe share some of the concepts that are in this book that firm leaders and owners can apply to their business to see an effective and lasting change. Can you do that for us, Craig? Absolutely. All right, don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Back with Critical Mass Radio Show and Craig Weber after this word from our sponsor. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to this edition of the Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show. And since we started in 2009, our show has reached over 180,000 listeners with our podcast. Simply type Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software to find our podcasts and our weekly interviews with interesting guests and authors like Craig Weber. We're talking about his book, Conversation. Capacity. Before the short time out there, Craig, I said I was going to ask you to just to share and maybe highlight some of the concepts that are most appropriate for firm leaders and owners. Great. I think the one to start with would be a concept I describe as the sweet spot. And the sweet spot is a place in a conversation or a meeting where, again, things are open, they're balanced, they're rigorous, they're learning focused. The sweet spot's that place that in a conversation or a meeting where you don't just have smart people around the table. They're able to bring their smarts to the issue at hand. And what holds us in the sweet spot, what kind of keeps us doing good work there, is balance between two critical things. On the one hand, there's lots of candor. The conversations are open, they're forthright, they're balanced, they're very direct. You're not left wondering what your teammates are thinking because candor is really high in the sweet spot. What keeps all that candor from overheating, however, and just becoming a headbutting exercise or an argument, is it's tempered or balanced with lots of curiosity. People are inquisitive. They're open-minded. They want to learn. When you see something different from me in a meeting, Rick, I want to find out why. Rick's smart. He's got tons of experience, and he hates my ideas. That's interesting. I wonder what he sees I don't. That's what holds us in the sweet spot. And when meetings go south or conversations go sideways, it's almost always because we've lost the sweet spot. If I let go of candor, I become overly guarded and cautious, sitting there with a stupid grin on my face, not saying something I should be saying in a meeting. And if I let go of curiosity, I tend to go the other direction and become arrogant and argumentative. And so what I really work with clients to develop is the ability to recognize there is a sweet spot and then develop the ability to stay there. And I think as an authority figure, a CEO or an executive or a manager, this is a really important concept because your primary job is to make your organization and your team smarter and stronger, not dumber and weaker. And so building your organization's ability to stay in the sweet spot becomes really key. And for reasons we talked about before the break, often your presence 
pushes people out of the sweet spot. Typically, the boss walks in the room and canders one of the first casualties. So it's kind of a big deal for someone. Right. I love the curiosity on the other side of candor. And the example that you used, it sounds encouraging, but human nature, especially in a in a situation where people are, are are tense or guarded, being challenged publicly, especially if there's a power imbalance in the organization, can be a very threatening thing for a lot of people. Well said. That's exactly the problem. It sounds simple, candor, curiosity, okay, what's the problem? But as you actually pointed out, human nature works against it. And there are a lot of sorts of situations in life where we tend to trigger out of the sweet spot because our need to play it safe, not look stupid, or to not risk making a career that move cause us to drop candor like a hot potatoes. There are other situations in life where we'll trigger the other direction, start to argue that, you know, too big for our britches. And so a lot of the work I do is helping people come to terms with what are those situations in life where I tend to trigger one way or the other. And one simple practice I ask people to do is to keep a trigger journal, start noticing those situations in life where, wow, I lost the ball there. What happened? And so every meeting's a chance to practice it because you're constantly gaining more insight into how you're wired so you're more conscious of how to not just recognize those tendencies but to manage them so you can stay in that sweet spot when it counts. We're talking with Craig Weber. He is the author of Conversational Capacity. You talked earlier about um, modeling the behavior for the CEO and for the business owner. And, and I'm wondering, um, in addition to that, is it your experience that by being candid about learning a new skill, this candor and curiosity, that, that the, if the CEO is, is able to articulate the long-range value of doing it and the need to change and their support and excitement for it, does any of your research or your experience suggest that that is helpful to changing a culture and bringing this conversational capacity into the organization? Great question. It actually does. Um, and I talk about this in the book. It's not just candor and curiosity. That's kind of the high level view, but it's also candor and courage. Sometimes raising your hand in a meeting and saying, hey, look, you know, I, everyone loves this idea. I hate it. I just, not to interrupt you, but I just saw a commercial. I don't even remember who it's for. But everybody's around the table going, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And then the guy goes, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And then they cut to a scene of, I think, him standing out in the street with all of his stuff from his desk. So Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly the uh, picture people have in their heads. Uh, and that's one of the big reasons people don't do it, is they're afraid of standing on the curb with a box of their stuff 20 minutes later. So it takes, it's not just candor. It is courage for the very reason you just described. That's exactly right. But on the other side of it is curiosity and humility. And what you describe where a leader says, well, look, you know me, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've got strong opinions, I'm not afraid to wave them around, I'm in a senior position of authority, but I'm really trying to manage my authority more effectively. Here's some things I'm doing, but I'm not naturally good at it. So I need some, you know, first off, some patience. And secondly, here's some ways you can help when I inevitably drop the ball. I think being that open, being that vulnerable, being that clear is a great way to send a signal that you're not just joking around. This isn't some gimmick you picked up and you're going to forget about it after three or four days, but it's something that's probably going to last because you're actually inviting the group to help you. Right. If you, if you have a culture where shiny balls get the CEO's attention, then that that's a risk, I would think, for introducing some new uh, technique and skill like this. But if the leader, you know, has this the street credibility with the people that this is something that's an ongoing process improvement, you know, personal and professional growth, then I think the opportunity to bring in a new concept like this and make it part of your culture has a greater chance of being successful. Absolutely. What I often work with clients to do is to tailor a conversational code of conduct for their organization and team. So there's a set of principles and a set of measurable behaviors 
the sweet spot. Here's how the team's going to help them get back. So it's a shared framework, not just for what a team or a business is working together to accomplish, but how they're actually going to work together to accomplish. And I think that also sends a strong signal that this is something that's going to last. In fact, a lot of teams will actually blow it up, frame it, sign it, and put it on the wall in in a permanent place in the organization. So here's an agreed-upon set of protocols by which we're going to operate. I have a question about passive-aggressive behavior. When, when, Have you seen that on the surface people are engaging in this new capability, but when they leave the room there is an undercurrent that is different than what has been seen? And if that's the case, what, what advice would you have for a CEO to deal with what I consider that's kind of passive-aggressive behavior in a, in a corporate culture? Yeah, that's very, that very common, actually. Uh, one of my clients calls that say yes, do nothing, right? That's <laughs> yeah. right. I think that's often a sign that someone's left the sweet spot at the expense of candor. They're not being as open, as direct about concerns or worries or reservations they have. So they don't bring it up in the meeting. They put on the smiley face and pretend to agree, and then they go in the hallway and start working the problem. And two things about that. Often it's not, it's not that they're bad people. They genuinely have, they have the good of the organization at heart. They're just having a harder time bringing their thoughts and ideas to the conversation because they're out of the sweet spot. So some offline coaching might be useful there. Say, hey, look, on the one hand in the meeting you said these things. On the other hand, I'm hearing from a few other people in the hallway you're saying these things. What is it? First off, is this accurate? And if it is, what prevented you from bringing it up in the meeting, and how can I help you bring more of your concerns to meetings in the future? So I'd look at that as a learning opportunity, as a coaching moment, rather than as you know, a chance to slap their hand or hit them over the knuckles of the ruler. And the last point in this book about the book is I'm fascinated with the concept and I love what you're doing. I'm speaking with Craig Weber, and he is the author of the book, Conversational Capacity. Is it your experience as well that when the CEO or the leader of the company brings in this discipline and this, this new way of handling culture and conversations, that they need to be very careful about any hint that what they're doing may not be fully supported by them? You know what I mean? Sometimes... People say, you talked about the CEOs to be careful. I think they're oversampled, frankly, leaders. And they may unintentionally say something under their breath or make a joke about what they're doing that can really undermine the momentum behind some, some adopting a new skill like this. So do you have a cautionary tale or advice to give to the CEOs who, who maybe could unwittingly do damage to the momentum that they're creating? Yeah. That's another really good observation. The first thing to do is look hard in the mirror. I think the last thing you want to do as a leader is just think, hey, this is great. My team needs this. And just impose it on our team. <laughs> you need the change. Right. Boy, this is really helpful. I read a book. I think you're all going to find it helpful. <laughs> go off and practice. Yeah, go off and practice and let me know how it's going. I think a better question is, how might my behavior, the way I kind of approach the business, be unintentionally limiting my people's ability to bring their best thinking and their best work to my team? Again, my job is to make this team as smart and as strong as can be. Are there things I'm doing inadvertently that may be making it dumber and weaker? So look in the mirror first. That's a humbling question to entertain. Talk to people around you. Maybe find significant others or friends who might help you kind of see your behavior in a more open way. That's a tough lens to look through. I think that's why the humility is so key. And I love and good to great Jim Collins talking about level five leadership. Every leader of these companies that just performed extremely well for extended periods of time were humble human beings. It wasn't about them. Right. And so I talk about conversational capacity being a martial art. Hmm. But it's not a martial art where the other, the other person is your opponent. In this conversational martial art, if you want to stay focused on learning candid and curious, your opponent is 
always your own ego. And so as leaders especially, we need to learn to get our take our ego to the mat and focus on what matters, helping people bring their best to the business. Um, if you had advice for a listener out there who felt they had a book in them, what advice would you give to someone who wants to write a book about how to successfully write and then, as you've done, publish the book? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I think, first off, I think go for it. I mean, you'll probably find nothing in life that will provoke and spark more learning than the activity of writing a book. But I think make sure you realize how difficult it's going to be. I thought because, you know, I speak well, I can deliver the ideas verbally that writing should be, you know, a walk in the park. It was much more challenging than I ever imagined. I think make sure your ideas are unique, make sure they're interesting, and most importantly, make sure they're useful. Far too many books out there are kind of interesting, but they don't really spark much in terms of usefulness. So I really, you know, try to make it useful. And then I think in terms of publishing, I went with an agent. I have a Lauren Reese at the Reese Agency who's fantastic, and he was a great Sherpa for me. It was my first book. So that's a question. And then really make sure you find an editor in a publishing house that believes in your work. I was really fortunate with McGraw-Hill because my editor, Casey Ebro, was just fantastic to work with. But I've heard from a lot of other colleagues that's not always the uh, experience. So really do your due diligence and don't feel just because someone says, yeah, we'll do it. Don't just jump into bed with them right away because, uh, you know, it may be a good, uh, it may be a bad fit for the book. Are you planning to write another book? I'm in the process of that now, actually editing the manuscript of a second book. Yes, sir. Is it in the same area? And uh, if not, uh, you want to come back on Critical Mass Radio Show when you drop it and talk about it? I would absolutely love to. It's, it's similar. It's, it's a book about how an individual can build their personal conversational capacity oh. while doing meaningful work, while trying to inspire constructive change. Beautiful. If you're going to practice these skills, it might as well be on something that matters. <laughs> So, Craig Weber, if somebody wants to buy your book, and hopefully after listening to this short interview on Critical Mass Radio Show, they want to, I would encourage them to consider that. How do they? Where do they find it? How do they buy it? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, you can find it almost anywhere books are sold. So uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, 800CEOread.com is a great source. Uh, it's also available on electronic format. So uh, it's a fairly easy book to find. And if you Google conversational capacity, a number of options should pop up. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, Craig, and I'm so glad that you were brought to our attention and we were able to spend this time on Critical Mass Radio Show. I do look forward to having you speak to my CEO peer group sometime later and sharing a bit about what you know about conversational capacity with the leaders here in Orange County. Thanks for being a friend of our program and a part of our Critical Mass learning community. Thank you very much, Rick. This has been a real treat. I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. Have a good day. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitment in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Math for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Math for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sound board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group.
You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 